Welcome to our special of Luna Mare by Pepper Winners. have a special yes we do this was the special, special that we hinted special. at in our last special 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 and i just wanted to be extra and bleep things because i can i just wanted to keep it a secret it's you fun. like to try to be mysterious sometimes yeah we have to sometimes be mysterious because we share way too much on this podcast uh, so super special yay yay Woo! everyone knows that well, everyone should know now that uh, we are reading uh, Ariel's Girlfriend, Pepper Winners. Dude. <laughs> okay, listen. I might have a little lady crush on her. A little? <laughs> I like her, okay? I like her books. She's a good writer. I'm sorry that not everybody can be Pepper Winners, okay? <laughs> so when we got the opportunity to do an arc read for her, we were like, yes, please. Well, I was like, yes, please. And I was like, please, Crystal, please, Crystal, please, Crystal. It was more like Crystal signed up for this. And you know what? I signed up for it. Didn't even know what the book was about. I did warn you. I was like, dude, this is nothing like her regular books that I normally love. I knew that going in. I'm going to be honest. Half winners could write a grocery list and I would read it. So we are going to read it anyways. We did find out that it is more of like a seemingly YA kind of. And that's not on brand for us. I don't know if we would well delve into YA. That's not, it's not YA territory. This is not YA. Okay. They're young. So I'm just going to go with that. It's not maybe, you know, no, it's not. Okay. I don't know what I'd call this. I don't either. It's a class of, it's I don't a- know what I'd call this, but it's you not would call this something. Pepper Winters. <laughs> yes. Yes. So anyways, welcome to our special of great writing and fantastical fantasticness. We don't normally cover arcs for our podcast because we don't have a lot of joint arcs, I guess, is the thing. Like, yeah, usually, like, usually arcs are something that we do individually, but we decided to do this together mm-hmm. as a team yes. and do it for a special. We're going to tag team it. And the best part is that this book, Luna Mare, is a duet. And so you're going to get. A two for one. Yes. And you're going to get one today. And next month, there's going to be part two. So stay tuned for that one because this one ends on a cliffhanger. Shh. Spoiler alert. So I will say that Ariel had texted me. She started it before I did. And all I know is that she told me that she cried during the first 10% of this book. The OG More text. Like I know, but I'm saying the original text. So I was super, super concerned and I did go into this super blind and I had no idea what this fucking book was about. And the only other note that I had was that I wish it was about mermaids. Right. It's not about mermaids. (laughs) So this book is not about. So just just to get rid of any confusion, we did not know what this book was going in. We just knew that it was written by Pepper Winters and Pepper Winters, like I said, can write anything and I am gung ho. So we were like, yes. So we did not know what this book was about. And that was okay with us. Sometimes we like going in blind, but it was called Lunamare. And it had all this water and all this stuff. And the cover's really dope. The cover's really cool. And you'll see it on our thing. And we legit were like, oh, what if this book is about mermaids? That would be so 
cool because like the caption was like, I fished a lion out of the sea or something like that. And I was like, this book might be about mermaids. Like we were all excited. It is not about mermaids. So just slow your roll. It's not about mermaids. It's a good book. It's just not about mermaids. So it's okay. She might as well be a mermaid. She's like a little sea nymph. Is she pretty? Yeah, basically. She's um, a real person. Just FYI. Yeah. Um, I thought that the dedication for the book was really sweet. And I was also very glad that there was research done for authenticity. Like that definitely helps a lot because, you know, sometimes you can just be like, let's just make up a bunch of stuff. I have yeah. opinions, well, but she definitely does her her research. She definitely puts the work in. Yeah, you would know. Yeah. We <laughs> promise this isn't just going to be Ariel kissing the ass of Pepper Winners. No, because we have Crystal here to be like, bring her back down to her. Yeah. Be like, Ariel, your bias is showing. Do you want to give a summary of what the book is about? So Lunamare is a tragic, angsty love story across the lives of Nerida and Aslan stemming from basically early childhood. She's 12 and he's 16. And as they age, the book is done in a like a back and forth where we see Nerida as an older woman. She's like in her 70s and she's telling us her story, her tragic love story. And her amazing love story that has gotten her to her great life. They're interviewing her on her ability to have created this underwater living space called Lunamare. It is a undersea biosphere. Actually, it's expanded beyond a biosphere, but that's how it started out. And we see this back and forth between her telling the reporters the story and then diving into the story. That's pretty much. I mean yeah yeah like and as you said it did start it's sad yeah it started as an interview which was cool I do like I like that I like how it was like an interview but I I even texted you and I said it's giving it's been 84 years (laughs) though currently in context I kind of want to take that comment about the Titanic back because of things happening in the current world yeah but I also do stand by it is very much giving the old lady in Titanic vibes at the beginning. When she's doing her interview, yeah. Correct. So that <laughs> the stuff happening wasn't happening when I first It might not be book. in good taste of a comment right now, but you are absolutely correct. But it, but that's the thing is it, it literally like the beginning that's just like that's the vibes it gives. Yeah. And like they're talking like Dylan is the person who's interviewing and well, he's kind of sitting there recording. It's the girl who's actually doing the interviewing. I don't remember what her name was. Margot. So it starts with like them like going just to kind of interview her about Lunamare in like in general. And then they start getting into they like make hints about Aslan and like just start making comments about it in the beginning. And then she decides she's just going to tell the entire story from start to finish. Because all they know about it is this like weird tale about uh, this like rumor that has been going on for decades of all we know about your love is that you is it true you fished a lion out of the sea? Mm-hmm. I will say I do like how every single chapter starts with on her chapters, it's the different languages of the word sea. And on his chapters, it's the different words and all it's all languages and his is moon. Yeah, but I do I, like I, that. Every I truly single chapter. enjoyed that too. I didn't catch it until like I saw it on the first one. I was like, oh, maybe they'll just do it for the first. But it's every single chapter and it tells you the language that it's in. It's that was really cool. I did like that because mm-hmm. she is the sea and he is the moon. Hence the whole mm-hmm. book. 
at first I was a little confused the first time. Maybe I should wait to say this, but at first I was a little confused the first time which so she started talking about her story and it it went right into Aslan's point of view because he mm-hmm. was that past narration. And the first time they went back to her point of view, I was it took me half a second. Thankfully it was the first line on the chapter. So it brought me right back and it wasn't as confusing as it could have been in a lot of books that we've read that we've had to wait pages to figure out that it was it went right back to her talking to the reporters and it was gotcha. back to the present. Yeah. And I was like, it was just kind of one of those, wait a second. For, like So it might be just because for me, I that didn't happen. I got it right away. Like I could sense the tone. It was that it. first line. So and then I was like, oh, okay. Her chapters are the past of the present and his chapters are the, the past. So basically their story starts with she's 12 years old. Her parents are marine biologists. They're famous marine biologists in Australia. Everyone kind of knows who they are. And she wants, she's going to be one too. She has all these amazing instincts and she seems to know how to find different animals and uh, what's going to happen before it happens. And she just has this great connection to the sea, even at 12 years old. So Narada is on this boat with her family and they're out at sea. And she is with this pod of dolphins and she like has this connection with them and they, they feel they have this pull towards something and she finds this boy in the water. Now Aslan is 16. He is with his family and his mother, his father, his sister, and his cousin. And they are on this rinky dinky little small boat and they are running basically from their country they're from turkey and they have been running and on the run for 11 months they have flown to this country flown to that country they've been on trains and planes and now they have burned their passports and stowed away on this little tiny boat with with 12 passengers on it they are one of they are five of 12 passengers and the boat is not really equipped enough to hold even five of them never mind 12 of them but they are determined to safely make passage to australia un like unknown like they are trying to do it under the radar so the sea has not been kind to them on this little boat and they've already lost all the other passengers they've gone from 12 now down to five it's now just his family left and we find him and start our journey with him in the middle of this awful storm and they are trying to weather this storm together his family is trying to hold on and they just can't do it and they're separated by this huge wave that takes them and he finds himself alone and when he wakes up it is Narada that has found him. He is the boy that Narada found. And that is how our story kind of begins. She rescues him. They have this immediate connection that he just assumes is that she saved his life. And he's honestly not quite sure. He wants his life saved. He just lost his whole family. And it's excruciatingly sad. I like bawled like a baby through all of this, him just losing his family and the whole thing. Um, now he's this little Turkish boy. He's 16. He's underweight. He's 
definitely looks like he has not been living a good life for a little while. He doesn't have any family. He's just lost everything. And Narada's parents aren't really sure what to do with him at that moment, but they are good people and they want to help him. So they they take him and they help him and they bring him to the hospital because he is banged up. He is bruised. He is He has had a rough time. I know that I was like, it just kind of kept getting sadder and sadder with all of his, I mean, he just lost everything in the world and he's going through all this stuff in his mind and he's talking about their having to leave and he keeps blaming it on himself that, that it's his fault that his family died and it's his fault they were in that boat to begin with. But we don't know why. He's just has that internal struggle. He's has definitely has survivor's guilt and is just so sad. Apparently, Crystal didn't cry. Not a single tear. Like, I was just bawling. <laughs> I mean, they were even in the hospital and they were trying to fix him up. And Narada is like trying to help him. And she's like, well, you're mine now. I rescued you. I pulled you from the sea. You're mine now. And I mean, she's just this 12 years, 12 year old little girl, like fancy. And he's just like, what the fuck is wrong with this girl? Like, and why do I have this weird connection with her? And she kind of explains it away as like, well, I saved your life. So now you're mine kind of thing. And so he accepts it and carries on. And her family is so nice to him. They bring him clothes. They kind of just like take him under his wing because I mean, they all they can think is what if it was their daughter that just all of a sudden lost them and they would want somebody to do it for her. And it's just all, I'm not going to say sad anymore, but man, the feels, total feels, all the feels. So anywho, he came into this country. He's obviously from somewhere else. He doesn't have any ID on him. He doesn't have any family to speak of here. So the, was it the immigration police um, are set to come in to talk to him at the hospital? And the nurse is like prepping him on that and like, oh, they're on their way. And he's like, oh, no, like, I got to get out of here. So he escapes the hospital and books it. So I, Neri's dad is like the sweetest human being on the entire planet. Yeah. I love him so much. I only got confused like a little bit in the beginning because I don't know but why. also Aslan's dad. The only confusion I had originally in the beginning is I don't know why in my brain originally I thought they were both 12. But then like and then I was like maybe Neri is 12 and I just don't remember. And I went back to the prologue, reread it and I was like, oh, yeah, she's 12. And then, of course, like I was like, um, so, you know, I'm, I was curious about his past just because of the illegal things. So like obviously like that's like an underlying story throughout the whole like great love story and all this stuff. There is the what's going on why is he running what is happening and of course like it did mention that they're running from his uncle's killers that's about the extent that we get so far in the story about anything that's happening nary is like the biggest spitfire and her personality is fabulous i will say i know it's a love story but the longing between the 12 year old we didn't have that yet it did when they were in the hospital and they touched they commented it was just that weird connection and he's like what is that and she's like it's because we it was saved you but there was the underlying where he like he expressed like there was like this weird longing and he couldn't put a word to it to me Mm. it grossed me out a little bit just because i know what that longing is but anyways but that that's what i'm saying is it did give the hints to it then 
And that's when I had texted and I'm like, oh, I don't know how I feel about 12 year old and 16 year old, but okay. And then of course, like he didn't think of her in that way yet. It was just a connection. He didn't understand how the connection felt. Okay. Well, it wasn't like he was thinking of her in a sexual manner. Agree to disagree. There were comments made and they weirded me out a bit. And then, of course, like, you know, they have all the hospital stuff. And then again, like Neri and her family are just like the most sweetest humans because then it switches from the hospital. And this was prior to him escaping out of the hospital. It switches back to Narada. And she's just explaining, like, it switches back to her present day. So, you know, it'll do go a couple chapters of him, and then it'll switch back to her present day for a bit, for a chapter, and then it switches, you know, it keeps flip-flopping back. So it was just, like, her, like, she gets so lost in thought and telling the story that sometimes she forgets that she's actually talking to reporters because she's just, she's so in the space of telling the story that she feels basically like she's transported to there. The conclusion I had after chapter six was that Ariel is just a giant little baby and it is very sweet and a little sad, but I'm also probably dead inside. I think I just cry at different things. Because I think yeah. we had that conversation too. Like some stuff, I'm just we so. Did. I I cry at like sad stuff, and you cry at like happy, like emotional, overwhelming stuff. Yes. Also, so it's, it's just a different kind of like cathartic just, cry. Sometimes there happens stuff that has been super sad. What the what book did we read that was really sad and I cried like a fucking baby? And I don't remember what book it was. It was a book that just broke my soul. I think it was during bait. To be honest, I think I cried in that book, and it was sad. Interesting. Yeah. Because of all the different, interesting. While they were in the hospital, and so Jack is Narada's dad, or Neri, as they call her a lot. I'm just going to, can I just say, I keep wanting to call her Merida for some fucking reason. I know it's <laughs> Narada, but <laughs> it's just one letter off. That's funny. So in my Does notes, Neri she's help you? In my notes, she's known as Neri or N because I can't keep okay. writing that whole uh, fucking word name out without <laughs> wanting to call her Merida. Anyways, I like the name Merida. Actually, no, 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 um, I like it a lot. It's no, I know, my, I, I know what you my... mean, but I was just saying I like it as a, I like yeah, their name. It's different. Um, it's, it's different. Which yeah, is good. So while they were in the hospital, Jack was like gave him gave Aslan clothes and even gave him like a little like business card so that he would be able to contact them type of thing. So when Aslan ran from the hospital, he didn't know this place. He didn't know anything about anything and he didn't have anywhere to go. So he just went to the only address he had and he went to their house and he just like hid out in their like garden eating <laughs> the vegetables and just like, chilling because he just didn't know what to do he was just hiding which narita caught him and was like dude this is my garden that i use and sell for extra cash what the truck man it's so funny because i don't cute. i don't know why i missed them giving him the address because i was like wait how did he how did she just stumble upon him randomly where the fuck and then i was like oh uh, yeah, it was from the, yeah yeah and trust my brain missed the address thing and i was like how are we really playing the fate game here? Is that what's happening? <laughs> yes, just magic. It was magic everywhere. I mean, <laughs> with all this romantic atmosphere that didn't happen till later because she's 12. Disaster's a thousand percent in the air. Yeah. Oh, man. The foretelling in Narada's chapters of when in the present chapters, she's just like, doom, 
doom, doom. And I was just like, no. <laughs> so he didn't, yeah, he didn't have, was, they started right with the first one. I know. We've, it was it, crazy. it gets worse. Oh, yeah. Again, every time <laughs> it's worse. They find him. They realize, like, he really has nowhere to go. They realize he ran because of the immigration. He kind of has a chat with Jack and is like, I just need to know one thing. If you were sent back to Turkey, would you survive kind of thing? And he's like, no. And he's like, okay, we will keep you safe. And they make a plan that he'll stay for the week. He's going to work for them. And he's going to work on the boat, which scares the ever-loving shit out of Aslan. Because he just lost his whole family at sea. He just almost died at sea. And now he's going to be working on a boat. It was just rough. And of course, like, when... Um, they were talking about including him. There is a point where, and this was the other point that I hope you also clocked, was Jack clocking Aslan's feelings for his 12-year-old daughter. Well, yes, after, I have right. it written down. It was, uh, yes. it was after yeah. they were talking about. Right. After they were talking about all of that and they went on the boat and everything and they had their time and everything and he noticed their connection. He noticed the way that they would look at each other and just have that weird connection. And he was like, dude, if you're going to be here and you're going to work here, being with my daughter and touching my daughter is uh-huh. never an option. Like never, ever. Also, the fact that a 12-year-old offered to undress a 16-year-old got me a little bit. And I was like, Mary, stop yeah. it. Well, I think that's what <laughs> was the kicker for Jack. And he was just like, it was because the kick- he saw how much nary was just like yeah in his face about it because aslan was trying like to not have anything to do with anything because he's 16 and and his headspace is his family just fucking died right that's not and and it was really nary driving the ship on nary is a bit intense she's intense through the whole book a 12 year old with a crush i mean that's and that's where jack was like you're not going to give in to her fantasies about this you're not gonna allow to be this way like nope and, i draw the line yeah. absolutely and, and didn't not. he was it now that but he then, said like if you touch her you're gone or was yes. that later on okay he I said i will sure. report you myself yeah and ship you out myself and so he's like oh i understand absolutely absolutely i totally understand and he's like so then jack had to have the same conversation with Mary because like i said Mary was basically driving the ship and she was she was the problem being 12 years old and fancy free. And she basically was like, it doesn't matter what you do now. He is going to marry me. We are going to be together. doesn't matter if we wait. This is what's going to happen. Yeah. Basically, suck it, bitch. Because she always had these feelings about things. She always knew what was going to happen. And she just had that in her soul that she's just like, no, I know this is what's going to happen. And now that I know that, there's nothing you can do to derail that. And that kind of scared Jack a little bit because every time his daughter was like that, she was right. Right. But he also thought she was just being that naive little 12-year-old that had a little crush. So he kind of just scoffed it off and saw that Aslan was serious and willing to do the work and not giving in to Nerida's fanciful baloney. So he was like, okay, but Aslan did overhear that conversation mm-hmm. so he was like what the fuck so then it was funny yeah then we go again back to so we skip back to the future again uh, not the movie but in the book <laughs> back to the future 
um, to present day. And she's, you know, she's reflecting on all the stuff that she was saying before. And she kind of hints, which we get later on, she kind of hints that she was responsible for a disappearance of a person. And so that kind of puts like more, you got the stuff going on with Asin's family and his history. And then she starts giving like little nuggets of things that's going to start happening further on in the book and further on in the story. But there was like the little hints that she was responsible for a disappearance. She also goes ahead and discusses, you know, how her feelings were for Aslan at 12 and how strong they were and just continuously talks about, she doesn't go into detail of all the things that they endured, but she really was like playing the story. Like, yes, it was so great. And the, you know, we had all these feelings in the beginning and this, 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 but like we went through so much stuff Mm. throughout the entirety of the relationship and like it was intense nary as an adult is intense nary as a 12 year old is intense this woman is just she's just intense intense so during this chapter she explained to us the future before and the next six months that was going to go by she explained how they were that that week went really well and he learned how to he's a numbers guy Mm-hmm. We're just going to talk about the numbers thing. So he's a numbers guy and he basically sees numbers out loud. Like he sees mm-hmm. numbers in color and he can do crazy figures in his head and he can do these amazing things with numbers. So when Jack gave him a job on the boat, it was basically like just computer work because he was deathly afraid to go into the sea. And he was like, I, I, I just can't please just give me anything, just anything for now. Just please. So they gave him computer work and he, within that week, he had, and Neri's explaining this, within that week, he had like redone their whole system. He had configured all these new programs for them. And then that one week turned into making a plan for six months for him to stay. And they built him a room in the garden so he would have his own space. And she had told us that, yes, the plan was for him to that next like deadline, I guess. Yeah, you can stay for the next six months, but that he would really stay for six years. Mm-hmm. When she kind of spelled that out, that that would be our timeline, timeline, right, of him living there in that house. But yeah, his ability with numbers and math was just really his huge contribution to them. And they he ended up being a huge contribution because they couldn't really afford to hire like a real assistant to work for them, but they could afford to hire somebody that was living with them. So they paid him a wage, but also like cared for him and lived, had them live with him and room and board and all that jazz. But he did not want to touch any of their money. He just sucked it aside because he felt guilty for the whole thing. After she explained to us that he was there for the next six months after they built his room for them, or after they built his room for him, (laughs) she would take her nighttime swims and it would be right near his room. And her nighttime swims were about her trying to hold her breath underwater each longer each time. Her goal, what was it? That somebody in the world could do it for like 15 minutes or something like that? It was like either 12 or 15, yeah. It was crazy. But she could do it better than her parents. She could do it for like five at this point already. Mm -hmm. So she was trying to extend and extend and extend. And... At this point, he still wouldn't go in any water. He also still had a cast on, too, at the time. You know, the dying of the family. <laughs> right. But, right. He wouldn't go any wa- in any water because he was afraid of it. But this is when his cast came off. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
she explained in her chapter that once his cast came off, kind of all bets were off because it was that expectation. Yeah. So he it's it's hot as can be there and it would be nice and cool and refreshing to go in the pool. But he has his cast on. But really, it's because the water terrifies him. So he gets his cast off and Neri kind of is Neri. She keeps pushing him. Yeah, she keeps pushing his buttons and kind of trying to force him along. And she kind of plays him dirty and kind of forces him in the pool mm-hmm. under the guise of she's just, he thinks she's in trouble. She thinks he needs, he thinks she needs help and he needs, she needs to be rescued. And it is, it's terrifying for him. But he kind of gets in and kind of has that moment with her and pushes the boundaries of the pool and is like, okay, just not the sea. Skips ahead two years. My only note about this two-year jump is that an 18-year-old is gazing at a 14-year-old. Those are the words that were used and it still grossed me out. Again, I understand that this is a love story and the age gap part doesn't bother me. It's the ages that bother me. And I think we talked about that before, like a four-year gap is nothing unless you're talking about a 14-year-old and an 18-year-old. Yes. And I get it on the sense of, you know, they have this connection, they're soulmates, we're, we're, we're learning from them being young. I also get it from a being young and dumb thing, because I mean, I was like 15 dating, like a 19-year-old, 15 dating a 20-year-old. I'm was, not saying that was right. I'm not saying that was okay. It was the description of the 18-year-old specifically gazing at the 14-year-old. That you had a problem with. Yeah. The other direction. I think that's where I I think that's why I struggle with reading about teen romances because yeah we yeah we've talked about that too yeah because while I didn't have a problem doing those things as a teenager and I understand that all teenagers do it as an adult with kids Mm -hmm. that age it just hits different. Yeah, and I think that's why I, I struggle. Sure murder somebody if they were gazing right. lovingly at my 12-year-old. Right. I, I I think that's why it just hits different now that I, I struggle with reading. And that's why I I tend to not read books that Depends aren't about that. adults. Yeah. And that's why we had talked about this before going in because I knew it was about younger. Um, and I was like, I know this is not our typical thing, but I know it's supposed to span their kind of life together mm-hmm. like are we willing to try it because it's ever winners kind of thing and like I was gung-ho about it and you were like mm, fuck it <laughs> so I don't think that it was necessarily trashy I think it could well, have been no. a lot worse it, yeah it could have been a lot worse it's just the thought that this is disgusting and I understand yeah. like the connection and the story that's built up and it's this big love story and again it's not the amount of age gap it is it's just literally if she was 20 and he was 24 i would be fine but it's just the fact of a they basically grew up together and b the longing between an 18 year old and a 14 year old or 16 year old and a 12 year old borders the line i do appreciate we'll get to that part but i do appreciate that we have the parent perspective in there as well in this book yeah so it is nice that we have it from like all sides as it's not just putting that 
lovey-dovey on this everything's okay yeah kids loving kids you know what I mean like it's not like a we do have it from all sides and we do have it in a terms of like a more of a realistic approach to yeah I do actually have one thing that we skipped a little bit over that I thought was a little that I wrote down was I believe he was still in the he met he was at their house he was sleeping at their house at the time and he was having a nightmare about everything and he like hits nori on accident but he does like hit her clocker and she she goes no no it's fine but like it just kind of goes to show like his brain like is even doing this shit while he's sleeping like he's having these nightmares but it's the fact that the nightmares turn physical and he just hauled off and like well because well she tried to wake him up from a nightmare and shake him from a nightmare (laughs) a lot of people do that when they're in the middle of a nightmare but that shows you how how in it he was yeah and how scared he was and how it really puts his his body was fight or flight yeah and of course this is just like days after everything has happened so this is it was it was an intense right in the face but it does also preface some of the violence right so So like you said two years go by and he spends two years working for them he spends two years perfecting the system he still refuses to go into the ocean Mm -hmm. He works for them only above deck. Neri's still pining after him. She is 14 at this point and he is 18. He appreciates her as a person. He still feels that connection, but does n- he's gone basically numb at this point to mm-hmm. everything. He still hasn't dealt with his family's deaths. So it's easy for him to put everything in little boxes. So it's also easy for him to put that connection with Nerida in a little box as well. And just kind of Van Dam face and just kind of hunker down with everything. Where it's not as easy for a 14-year-old to... Even so, Neri just feels the things and she just expresses it at all time. Exactly. But this is very so, important to her character is how much she is so lively and mm-hmm. expresses literally everything. Right. So she's on the boat. She's supposed to be doing some homework because she's in high school now and doing some homework. But she looks over into the water and sees this sea turtle trapped in a net. And she doesn't think she just wants to rescue the turtle and dives in to save it, which is not what she's supposed to be doing. So Aslan is like, crap, freaks out, gets up to watch her to make sure that she's safe and everything. And then she doesn't come back up and he's watching and he's seeing and he's watching the net and he's seeing the shadow of her and it's not moving. And there's no bubbles. And there's no bubbles and he's panicking because, I mean, he can't touch the sea, but he can't not save Neri. So he grabs a knife to cut her out of the net and dives in to save her. And she is not breathing. He has to thrust her onto the the boat and give administer CPR. And it does, it takes CPR to get her back. He is like, holy shit balls. And they're having this huge emotional turmoil over the whole thing. And he's obviously feeling the the connection. And he's then he's just like brushing it off. Okay, now we're even because now I saved your life too. So that's why this emotional connection. And while she's off in La La Land, like, Oh, that was our first kiss because you gave me mouth to mouth. <laughs> it's like, what the trap? So then her parents come up and learn about everything. And they're freaked out, but are so happy 
that Aslan saved her, treat him like a hero, bring her to the hospital, make sure that she's fine. And now Aslan can do no wrong in their book because now he is put as her basic bodyguard at this point. He is there and he is going to be the person who looks after her and is trusted to save her and watch her from this point on. The only other part with this chapter that kind of threw me off, and maybe it's just like, I guess a technicality, because they were talking about how, because she started going into his room and he's like, the, it was the first time she was in my room. And I was, I thought, but I guess it's because of where he was sleeping before. I'm like, but I thought she's the been in there room, before. The and that's the thing is, I was like, I guess technically, yes, but she has been there before. So it, it threw me off a little bit because I was like, but uh, it was the sneaking in in the middle of the night concept versus yeah. just coming in in the middle of the day with permission type of thing. Well, no, because she caught him while he was sleeping before and she, he punched her. And that was when they were. But it was in the morning. She was waking him up to go gotcha, somewhere gotcha, versus gotcha. like midnight. Anyways, I so like, I guess it was just a technicality that like threw me up. I was like, I mean, technically, I guess because it's now his new realm, but still. Um, yeah, anyways, it was, it was uh, sneaking around. Yeah. So then. We skip back ahead <laughs> to present day again. Margo is like, oh, you know, how lucky he was that he finally, like, overcame his aversion to, like, being in the ocean just so that he could save her life. And she kind of gets annoyed <laughs> because she was so in the past and, like, she kind of seemed a little bit annoyed that they brought her to the present. And then she realized where she was. And, like, she's going on about how she had a lot of fights, you know, to snap him out of, like, she's his friend. And then, like, going on about how, like, it was, like, his replacement sister and responsibility. And she didn't really, it was just, it was a struggle for her, too. But she wanted to, like, snap him out of, like, she wanted him to want her. It basically is what it was. But, you know, talking about how from that day on after he rescued her and CPR and brought her back to life and all this other stuff, how, like, the the father really shifted how much didn't want them to spend as much time together. And he was just kind of like, you know what? You saved my daughter. I'm cool with it now kind of thing. And the possessiveness of, of him and watching like wanted her to like rebel against everything. It was, it was interesting, but it was, it was nice to see. Like, Cause it wasn't the attention that she craved from him. Yeah. It was like right. the opposite. She's like, I it, didn't want a bodyguard i didn't want somebody just looking at me like Mm -hmm. like i want somebody wanting me yeah because she didn't want him to look at her as this little fragile child who could like die at any moment because yeah i I don't want somebody to think of me as a project i want somebody exactly and then of course she was like yeah but he doesn't get to do any of the things he wants he doesn't get to like basically live for himself yeah and then she goes on to say how like it took about a year before she managed to get him back into the sea and that she didn't like it either because of the fact that she coerced him into the second time that he ended up in the sea, which we do get into like that. This is just kind of like setting up how the her next, setting it up, right? Her setting it up, how the rest is going to go and like how it was after her 15th birthday, which is about when all the hormones and all that other stuff is kind of going around and, you know, talking about how she really wanted that as her age grew and her body started growing that he would stop seeing her less as off limits and all this stuff and really wanted him to see her 
as a woman and as a person, 15 year old, 15 year old hormones are off the weird chart. Uh, like I do not want to be 15 again. No. And now I'm going to have to live through it. And I'm going to hate every single moment of this. She started wanting to rebel and she started basically like lying to her parents <laughs> so mm-hmm. she could go out and do things. And the big one that happens is her lying to her parents for a camping trip by saying that it was her friend Zara and her parents will be there and it's just camping in the rainforest which was half true (laughs) because it was camping in the rainforest but there were no parents and it was just a bunch of teenagers in the woods and then it just kind of continues going from there and it's talking about how like oh she also got her monofin for her 15th birthday too which is the little mermaid fin so we got like half a mermaid it wasn't it wasn't well the parents said that she could only go camping if the if Aslan went with her to watch over. But so I had a problem before we get into camping. Okay. I had a, cause I was just, when the, when the chapter started for Narita, I had a little bit of a problem with my brain and that was just a me problem and I get it. But until this point, all of Narita's chapters were in the past and all oh. of Aslan's, I mean, present, yeah, present. And all of Aslan's chapters were in the past and they were separate and they were neat in their neat little boxes. And then all of a sudden Narita started getting past chapters too. And I was like, but the good, the, yeah, it was nice though, because they were labeled at the top and it was fine, but your brain, it was just, it, it took my brain a second. And I was like, you just took me out of my perfect little boxes. What the truck? That's- it, like I said, it was a me problem. It was not, mm-hmm. it was labeled fine and it was easy to follow it was a me problem the only other thing I had was maybe it's just because I'm female but I didn't have as much problem in Aslan's point of view with the young teen angsty drama stuff but when Narita's chapters started with the young teens teen angsty chapters that I was like oh this is why I don't read teen drama like, this is why I don't read teen romance. I think it's just because as a 30-year-old, we don't have those thought processes. But we definitely... The, but it what was I, so much, yeah. So what I liked about it is it read as a typical 15-year-old, basically. Like, right. it, oh, it, it's oh, literally that, like... That's exactly... It sucked you right into that, that age, those hormones, the feeling. And that's exactly what it was. It made me feel like I was reading the, all that hormone level. It, it was done beautifully. Don't get me wrong. It was done beautifully, so much so that that was my problem. It was done so well that that was my problem that I was like, oh, it's hurting my soul because I don't want to be 15 anymore. I don't want these 15 year old feelings. It's too much. And it was too much at 15 and I don't want it again. And I think the reason you probably didn't have an issue with Aslan's chapters because he wasn't having as much and it's only because he had to grow he up pushed it all away well he pushed it all away but he also had to grow up so fast so I yes. think that that's what the I think that's what it is is like we're reading you know Neri has the chance to be a kid she has a chance to experience yeah. all the drama she has a chance to explore that and then of course her personality is this huge it's a huge personality whereas Aslan he had to grow up fast again based on the history that we later on learn as to what was going on but like he he had to so he didn't really have time to he put it perfectly well I think later on where he is, or she did one of the two of them explained like he was older but he still had the 
the mind of like a 16 year old. And it's just because like, once he finally got into the feeling, he finally got to experience all that stuff for the first time. So like, in the beginning, yes, he was pushing that all shit down. And so it was, it was interesting to read because we're not getting the boy angsty teenage feelings, which are definitely a thing oh absolutely but because he had to but we didn't so get bad. that as much with aslan's right, right. so because i was able brokenness. to palette it better that it yeah. didn't have to get in my you feelings you just didn't and... like looking in the mirror of a 15 no <laughs> i didn't it was a me problem okay yeah like literally it was written so well that it brought you right back like you were sitting there with all that stupid teenage angsty drama and i didn't like it that's so funny <laughs> but yeah when they were telling her like telling her that like aslan has to go and aslan was like i don't want to go like there is like please no (laughs) and he was like he's like there's all this stuff going and he goes that's why you need the dad's like jack's like that's why you need to go and i had i had highlighted one of the quotes that says she has her eyes full of hearts as if they're if they're going to fall in love with her not murder her and she's like Mm -hmm. i do not have eyes full of hearts and he goes did you not ignore me when I told you to stay away from the shark last week? And she goes, but it was only small. And it was harmless. And he goes, that's fucking, that's exactly my point. Like, that's why you need this. And of course, like, Aslan is really, really not wanting to go. And I'm assuming it's for reasons other than the danger. Because it would be him away from them in the around just and she's really pushing his buttons at this point yeah she's really pushing boundaries and trying to see what she can get away with and he is basically like i i don't have i can't do that like no thank you i i can't find myself alone with her nope yeah exactly and so he does finally eventually give in and then she kind of hints towards you know you know he's gonna make it impossible we can't tell jack no yeah he and then she kind of hints that she's like you know he's gonna make it impossible for me not to kiss him and then it's like i would kiss him and he would hate me for it and then the distant like it kind of foreshadows the shit that's gonna happen in aslan's chapter so it's still following the like layout of her chapters anyways of foreshadowing stuff that's going to happen even though this is set in the past which was a little which was an interesting choice as far as that goes yeah because if I feel like if you're going to write, I would say keep that in the way that the present chapters go of foreshadowing instead of putting it in the present day ones of foreshadowing, because it kind of feels like it's mixing past and future into a past chapter, if that makes any sense. You know what I mean? It was a lot. And it was a lot of. It was a lot of her um, chapters that did that. But it was a lot Mm. of her chapters, even her past chapters that would be like. And then I know you meant because there was a lot. There was a few in that little section that it was like, at the, it's usually and I wasn't the, ready for what was going to happen next or yeah, whatever. Yeah, and it's at yeah. like the end of that chapter. So that yeah. was that was the only thing that like kind of. And I was, was like, oh, you're starting to sound a little like Narada now. Wait, I thought this was her. Yeah. It's like the mystery. But you have to remember, this is her telling the whole story. Right. Theory. I understand that. But it just, it mixes if you're going to do present Nary with that. Yeah, I know what you meant. And then mixing yeah. it, it's just mixing time essentially it's just which is giving fine. us more build-up it it's fine and the build-up is fine it yeah. just like it it was just weird like i felt like if you're gonna keep the past the past and not preface what the next chapter is gonna be do it that way or if you're, you know it just i don't i don't yeah. know it like it was the mixing of the two that like weirded me out a little bit Anyways. they went camping with zara and zara's older brother joel who's two years older and joel likes Nerida. <sighs> <laughs> So, yeah. We'll get to Joel eventually. 
yeah, Narada takes kind of advantage of this situation a little bit and is like, how can I push these buttons a little bit? And there's a bunch of older girls there and older guys there because it's basically Joel's friends and Zara and Narada are this kind of tagging along to this camping trip. And these two older girls kind of tag team hit on Aslan and Narada catches this happen and she gets super jealous, like beyond jealous, which is kind of hypocritical since she was just playing this game and was just in the woods letting Joel kiss her. Mm-hmm. Just saying. I mean, she's 15. So, I mean, let's let's lower our expectations here. But so she throws her little fit, runs through the woods to push his buttons more and runs into the sea. And, and isn't this when Rita and Molly suggest a threesome? <laughs> Yes, that's why I said they tag team hit on him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they just, they yeah. wanted to also tag team him. Yes. And it All was, right. yeah. And he was just like, mm. yeah, no. And, and and one of them, I don't remember which one it was. It doesn't really matter. But one of them goes to kiss him. And that's when mm-hmm. Neri is like, yeah. <gasps> Real yeah. bitch, you were just in the kiss and draw. Yeah. So, yeah. So she throws her fit. Runs away, runs into the sea so that he'll have to chase her, knowing that this is a hard line for him. But he, as usual, has no, I don't want to put this, he has no ability to stop himself, I guess, when it comes to Nerida, even with his hard lines. So even though it's painful for him, She's basically his weakness at this point. Yeah. Even though he does not want to go into the water he will for her even so it's it's she's just pushing him through all these things that he is not ready for but 15 she doesn't get that and they kiss and they have this big moment she kind of like professes all these things to him and that's when it kind of just shudders in his brain and he's like shit no we can't do this because he knows that if something were to happen to him something might happen to her or something might happen to him. It might hurt her. And the last thing he ever wants to do is hurt her. And he doesn't want to hurt her parents either because they've basically become pseudo parents to him. And he basically puts the gabosh on this bloop, which tears her heart out even more. And we don't see them again for another year. So then it boop transports to pu- to future narrative. <laughs> And I I will say, as I'm reading these future chapters, as we continue to go along, because it's always she ends up lost in thought. In my brain, all I'm thinking is, I wonder if she has, like, dementia or Alzheimer's of some sort. Because she's getting so lost, and it takes her a bit to remember where she's at. She might just it's be a, lost in her memory. I know. But possibly. But that's my theory. Maybe she's got some form of dementia or Alzheimer's. And like, because Because remember, this is just half our story. Right, 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 right. We don't, we have no, we, we are sitting here. We, we are telling you all this stuff. We are sitting here with only half the story. Mm -hmm. Like, we don't even know what's going on. We haven't even read the other book yet because it has not been given to us yet. Yeah. We are just as blind as you. Yep, it's crazy. So. so yeah, so that that like when it it was more so the further future chapters I read, I was like, oh, it's giving signs of because a lot of times people with dementia and Alzheimer's and stuff, 
they know what happened in their past. And I've heard plenty of stories and been told right. plenty of stories. And they have that. So it's, it's just kind of giving that. And of course, like it's taking her a bit. Sometimes it takes her a few minutes to come back to present, especially when someone interrupts her. And she her. refuses to answer any questions about Aslan in the present. Correct. Which I have a note about that as well. So it just, so it, yeah, it pops her back to president, pre- president, <laughs> present day. Merida for president. Yeah. And she's just, and she's just, just continuing to kind of just like reminisce basically about the whole camping trip and like. You know, he hadn't actually kissed that girl, but he didn't push her away either. And she had like a huge out-of-body experience when that happened. You know, he ended up spooning her overnight in the tent. And and then she's talking about like the gift that he ended up giving her that she ended up losing, which we do see again for her birthday and everything. Um, So it's just like she was saying how like the camping trip in general just kind of like opened her eyes to stuff that she hadn't fully respected basically. And like you know, she was safe and he was not (laughs) like, you know, she's safe. She's legal. She's love. She's all of these Mm -hmm. things. And she didn't really like, it just kind of opened her eyes. Comprehend. Yeah. Comprehend like Aslan's uh, actual life. Like, right. The immensity of his situation. Yeah. So, and then she goes on to say how she'd never really got to be a true teenager because of him, because, you know, she didn't get the experience of falling in love with the wrong boy and making mistakes and all this other stuff. And then like, she just like, and they call her because all of a sudden she just goes silence and, and they're like, did something happen between the two of you? And she's like, a lot of things happened. Um, a lot of really awful things, but there were good things too. And, you know, they're asking if, you know, she wants to tell them and she goes, not really, but like, I promised you that I would give you this story. And she's like, I'm going to give you the whole story, you know, bad things, good things. And, and basically, like, she kind of, like, hints that things get a lot, things just get worse. Like, things just, mm-hmm. like, good things happen and all the good stuff has happened. And she kind of wanted to, like, stay in, in, that, good in zone. that good zone before she delved into the deep, dark stuff. And, you know, she was saying how, like, he kept all her secrets and she kept all of his. And then she's like, I did something that made him snap. And then, of course, like, it's going to, the chapter's going to end in a second. But, like, she's, and he's, he, they're like, well, what did you do? And she's like, well, I tried to replace him. And then at that point. Because when she, he broke her heart on the beach. Yeah. She was like, well, I need to do something different. I need to change. Right. And then so, so they did. They fast forwarded a year. Yeah. They So it jumps to now she's 16. So. Yeah. She's 16. He's 20. And he's going away on a trip to Whit Sundays. Uh, she like she comments how he never spends the money that her parents have given him, and you know he's just yeah he didn't have friends because he doesn't let people close to him. And then you know she's worried that he's kind of like lying about like he's content with the things that he has, and she just kind of goes into deep thought. You know he does end up she ends up gifting him the Chronicles of Narnia. And it's because someone had made a comment about his name, about how, oh, it was from the camping trip where they're like, oh, she's like, oh, like Aslan, like the lion from the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. So as a gift, she gives him the books of Narnia, but she also gives him a cell phone. 
It's because of this trip that they're going on. And she is jealous of the trip and is worried that he's going to go out and be touristy. So she's giving him these things to stay on the boat kind of thing. Right. And she was just saying, like, I'll miss you. And he's like, well, it's only going to be, you know, like four days. And, you know, and he's like, you're the one who you'd rather stay here than go to a friend's house. So, like, he's kind of like, you say you're going to be alone doesn't get that she means him or he does get it and he's just really trying to put that shit on the back burner because this girl is 16 he's now 20 and it's Mm -hmm. just yeah he's realized the ramifications if something were to happen yeah and of course like he's you know she's got her exams and everything too because school's almost over and he's like you know you you have worked so hard you've sacrificed so much and she's talking about how she's probably gonna you know she'll be a fully qualified marine biologist and maybe he can work for her and he's like no (laughs) he's like i would have to go on the ocean and she's like would would that be so bad yeah yeah it would so and then she starts talking about like well what if you could live under the sea and that kind of gives like obviously like hints of the things like you know what would you do you could trade this for that so it's just it's one of those things and then of course like she's like well what if you fall in love and chase after somebody because he was saying how he's like not going anywhere and then he gives her hope because then he goes i can't fall in love if i've already fallen gives the hint that he loves her and it gave her hope which is not a great thing to give to this poor 16 year old when you're so hot and cold as a person because that's like because then he goes I shouldn't have said it let alone like repeat any of these things like it's just it's it it was a lot of emotions and he feels such allegiance to her parents and he feels like if he gives into these feelings like he's betraying the parents because like they gave him right that's what we were saying on the beach right yeah so but he repeats it again in this one he goes listen like your parents hold my life in their hands and I I would lose you for one, but I would lose them and I don't want to lose anybody. So he's really at war with himself because he wants to act on the feelings. But at the same time, like he feels such, he doesn't want to go back to Turkey. Like that's a huge, that's a huge thing throughout all of a lot of stuff he says and does is like, he just does not want to go back to Turkey. And obviously we haven't figured out why yet, and she doesn't know why he doesn't want to go back and why he can't go back. So it's, it's, it's and then the only other comment that I have, because I know that we're going to switch back into Aslan, is I did write down, because we, we were about 40% of the way through this book. And I wrote, it's at this point, I am concerned that we don't hear from Aslan in present tense. All of the present tense we have is in Neri's voice. We don't have a single present tense in Aslan. We have not seen Aslan in present tense. I don't tense. think he's alive. I don't. I or don't. available to her. I think, yes. And, and it's, just, it's just us speculating at this point. Because we don't know. We haven't read the second book. But somebody asked about her parents. I don't know which time this was. Her parents the- are dead, I believe. Right. But, but in the in one of the interview points of the present chapters, one of them asked about her parents and she had explained how like her father went first and her mother died one within year. the year of heartbreak type of situation. She's mm-hmm. like, yeah, we're alike in that way. 
And she's like, and she kind of said like her time is coming. And of course, like she, anytime they ask and hint about like where Aslan is and she doesn't, she says it without saying it basically. Like she won't answer certain questions about Aslan in present, in the present day, which it either gives hints that either it's either he's dead or what if he did get caught and went sent back to Turkey? I mean, he'd be dead right. at that point, too. But I'm just saying, like, maybe he's ruling. I don't know. I don't know. We'll get there because we find we'll out some there. things. But All like, right. that's the thing is, like, it, it was interesting to me. And this was when I started getting concerned. I was like, we don't hear anything about Aslan in present day. Like none of his voice, none of him being around. She's refusing to answer questions about where he like they ask where he is and like what we he's can doing. speculate all we want but yeah. we have a whole nother book before we even probably have any I know. Cool answers anyways sorry so, i hate that sometimes oh, no, I it's- know. <laughs> so he went on this trip to the wit sundays and she gave him this phone um so that they could contact each other but really she installed this app so she could watch him and see his location but he's no dummy uh she thinks that he doesn't know anything because he was just this like immigrated little boy that didn't know anything but he's he's a he's like a super genius so he's like hmm, reverse uno card and uh made it so that he could watch her location too and so he's seeing that she's saying that she's at home studying and everything but really she's like out at like a bar or different things when she's so because she's trying to go out and kind of get over him a little bit and do her 16 year old shenanigans And he's kind of trying to do the same thing on this trip. He winds up at like a pub and um, the waitress flirts with him. And he's just like, maybe this is what I need. Maybe I need another person to help me get over her kind of thing. And she takes him home and they are so close to sleeping with each other. And he just can't do it. It's not her. He just can't do it. And he leaves. And not before the girl gives him her info and is like, anytime you want to contact me, honestly, please do. So her name was Rhea. And honestly, she was so sweet and understanding. Like she it was. was, and that's the thing is like, it could have gone a really bad way Yeah. of like, originally she was pissed, but then like he explained like, and she just like, I think she loved the little cute little story about how his feelings and stuff like that and she understood and stuff so i liked that she wasn't billed as this huge villain type of person Mm -hmm. you know i did like that part i thought it she was just she was very nice so narada can see that he is not back on the boat he can she can see that he's at some random apartment her soul is crushed she's just so she is blowing up his phone and freaking out she's jealous she's freaked out he even kind of breaks down is and then tells her like dude i tried and nothing happened because it wasn't you kind of thing mm-hmm. and she kind of like half believes him but her 16 year old little psychoticness couldn't handle it fully mm-hmm. and it did not help the matter that when he and Rhea had gotten together she had put a condom on him and that's how close they got mm-hmm. And so when he got back to the boat, he discarded it. It was unused, but he discarded it. So when Neri was cleaning the boat after they got back, she found it and now is completely devastated and broken and now basically has decided to move on completely. And who better to move on with than the boy who's had a crush on her for years 
she's like, hey, Zara, your brother's still around, right? And now we're going to fast forward another year to where they're 17. And she's 17 and he's 21. Because of everything that happened with him and him basically just saying, go find another one. She just ended up settling who better to settle with than the person that she was stringing along anyways with Joel, which is Sarah's brother. And she ended up losing her virginity to Joel. And that was kind of just like as a, you know, recapping as present day. And she was just talking about how she, you know, he clearly, she didn't believe him because she didn't believe that he didn't do anything really because of finding everything. She cared about Aslan so much and the way that she described it is like the only way I can describe it is Aslan is Aslan and everyone else isn't. And that was like a huge highlight that I, and it just goes to show like how deep her feelings for Aslan really go. And then obviously how hurt she was. The next chapter ends up being because she just, she realized that like, she really doesn't feel for Joel at much. And this is, you know, we skip ahead to 17 and she decides that she's going to break up with Joel. This breakup was rough. <laughs> Like she just wanted to break up with him, but if she's going to break up with him, she's going to do it in public, which is like smart and not smart at the same time. Like, because you can kind of understand, you can, I can understand why well, you she didn't want to do it at home where Aslan was. And she didn't want to do it at his house where so Zara, Zara was because that's her best friend. And she was afraid that he would, she would take his side automatically. Yeah. I mean, so, rightfully so. So, you know, they, he comes in and he can sense right away that something is wrong and she goes no everything's fine and then he kind of clocks when she says like i'm sorry and he goes what are you, what's going on and then he gets absolutely pissed rightfully so because of everything <sighs> not as no hold on not as angry as he got i'm just saying like he was upset because she I, he, it's okay to be upset it's not okay for him to be as pissed as he was right because he ends up choking her after yeah, he says after, psycho move and he did it because she kept saying i'm so sorry he's like you need to stop saying sorry and she kept saying sorry and apologizing and he got so angry to the point of her saying sorry that he literally choked her and then we meet honey and she's so sweet no fucking pun intended i love this woman and I want her to be my best friend. But Honey kind of sets up, I am assuming, everything that will happen way in the future with Luna Mare. Because is yep. it her brother? Yes, her brother. Her gay brother. Her gay brother. I love it. <laughs> but it was cool it was, because... Yeah. Like, you, you can hang out with my brother because uh, I won't. he won't want to be with you because he, he's gay. Oh, my God. It was just so funny. But, yeah, it was just... Like, she was so nice. Like, she goes, oh, like, she's like, are you okay? And she goes, no. And, like, this girl is just, like, so sweet and, like, wants to talk to her and wants to hear from her and wants to hear the story. And so she starts kind of telling her about everything going on. And Neri's really worried that she's going to lose Zara as a friend because of this breakup with Joel. And, like, Honey's like, you know what? You know, if she's as close as you guys are, you say you guys are, she might understand and would probably one day forgive you. Which... Well, right. If she's if she's truly your best friend, she's going to be your best friend. Right. But Not just because you broke gonna up with going to be a cunt, I will be your best friend. Exactly. So she ended up giving her her number and contact information. Like she doesn't live around there, but she no. She asks for narrative. No, narrative. Sorry, I'm sorry. 
Right. Because that was a thing because Narada couldn't contact her because she didn't have hers. Right, 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 right. So her brother Teddy is an architect. Uh, he's just finishing up. And his dream, he wants to create this community that's safe from every disaster imaginable. And that was when it like fell into place in her head. And she goes, and Nera's like, just, wait, she should just build something under the sea. And she goes, oh, I'll just tell him that, which it it's cool because it like sets up like a, it's it's really, really fucking cool. And then, of course, like they are like fucking fawning over her because they're asking about I have questions to ask you. And there's three very particular ones about crazy. Fest. She goes, well, does a dolphin count? He goes, no, fucking. She's like, no way. You have a fucking dolphin. Are you kidding me? So it's just. <laughs> And then, and then it was just so funny. And then, like, if you could hook up with a certain person, and she drops Aslan's name, and like starts talking about a little bit. And then, like, if you want, if you could be famous, like, what would you be famous for? She wants to be. They had that kismet connection, just like she felt with Aslan. Right. Basically. She said that she wants to go down in history as the creator of underwater living, which makes sense because of the amount of time that she spends under the water. Like she wants it so that like people can be neighbors with whales and, you know, you can exist. Which we know, so- thanks to present Narada, that that came true. Exactly. You know, you want to live side by side. I just wish it was mermaids, but that's the besides you the know. point so it's it's really cool we'll i love live that. our mermaid dreams somewhere know, else right i do like that that's how it got introduced and like that really implants like hey because you know you don't know how she originally kind of got the idea because she was kind of like vague on the idea of how she came up with kind of luna mare in the beginning like mm-hmm. but like seeing the progression between meeting honey and finding out about teddy and like all this other stuff it, it really is setting up that side of the story too outside of the right. romantic relationship as well which i think is going to be crucial to the second half of the duet yes so aslan on the other hand is sitting at home and he's been dying through this whole relationship with dole and he's just been just dying on the inside and it's just becoming more and more into himself and not is he's just becoming more and more of a shell but jack had made some kind of comment about like it was like past curfew or it was getting late or something like that and he couldn't get a hold of Narada. so and he had pulled up her location and saw that instead of being at like Zara's house or something she was at a bar and he was like crap like I'll go get her and he walked in and found some guy hitting on her even though she wasn't interested and he basically because Narada's narada and likes to push buttons had to pretend to be her boyfriend to get her out of it and so the guy was being a real douche nugget and i don't believe you i don't believe you and of course they kiss again and that's kind of just the undoing for all this pent up Joel and narada have been dating for 14 months and aslan has been slowly just sliding deeper and deeper into depression and just becoming more and more of a shell of a person. And Narada has finally gotten free of the weight of Joel. And here is Aslan kissing her and everything just kind of slides into place. And they're like, we can't not do this anymore. She is 17 now. He's 21. So she's not just like a 12 year old anymore. And he's just like, no, we can't stop this now. The reason why he was able to do that 
um, was because on the way to the bar, he got stopped at a checkpoint. Now they've been so careful for, I mean, how many years has it been? Five years now? Over five years of avoiding the police, avoiding any kind of confrontation of him needing to use an ID. And he gets stopped at a checkpoint and he basically shits himself. I mean, not literally, but thankfully he just blows in the breathalyzer and they let him go because there's a big line and everything. But it kind of just puts everything into perspective for him and just kind of shows how how much everything could be taken from him in an instant. And that helps with his I can't fight this anymore with Narada. So they leave the bar and basically kind of just cement that there's no stopping this. They pull into this little park and like start to kind of get it on. And he's like, wait, no, I can't do this to Jack. And I can't, no, I can't do this without telling him first. She's like, what? Why? But instead, instead, let me try on you. um, Yeah. Instead, they do things without actually fully doing it. Mm -hmm. Apparently there's no qualms about that. (laughs) So they basically just like get it on like little party animals for months in secret because, but without getting it on, they're just because they're waiting for her to graduate. And once she graduates, they're going to tell them the end of the year, because in Australia, they do school differently than we do. School is actually like how a calendar year goes. So when they break for the like Christmas holidays, they that's the end of their school year Mm -hmm. so they are waiting for the school year to end and they can tell jack and her anna is anna it's anna they can tell jack and anna at christmas everything's going to be hunky-dory yay go team so they just kind of are sneaking around behind their back for months waiting for this to happen without actually sleeping together fully yeah i don't think that counts honestly but my two cents here was my problem (laughs) i don't have a lot of problems but this was one that kind of bothered me a little bit he has one one singular interaction with a cop and now suddenly he wants to live it kind of put it into perspective for him how like things can be taken away from him in a second i understand that but it was the and he's been living in this dark hole for so long i understand that I'm just saying one, one interaction with a cop. I think it was enough. suddenly he wants to live and wants to do all these things. I think it made sense. It's not the getting away with it for five years thing that makes him want to live and like let all his moments be like, you know what? This could be my last moment. Let me just live now. No, it's the one interaction with a cop where it scared him. That Great. scaring him Good was Good for enough. you. You've been scared this entire fucking book. <laughs> it, I just, I'm just I, I don't saying, know. I think it was enough. I'm just, I'm just saying one interaction with a cop and that's all it took. Also, I, I had commented like, uh, he kisses her to prove to a dick in the bar. Are we going to get unhinged Aslan now? He's been unhinged for a bit, but like, are we just going to get unhinged? Re- so yeah, it just... <laughs> I, I just I was like what one singular interaction with a copy goes oh my god wait a second it's like the light came and I was like bruh if you're well, so concerned- so she wants to sleep with him like fully and she doesn't understand why they can't they have to wait yeah doesn't make any sense yeah. either because I yeah that it, I mean I get it but you know I also get it from her 17 year old point of view like I get it from both their point of views but 
so they get into this freaking bickery argument about the whole thing and hold on hold on hold on nori gives him a bj while her parents leave and then they almost bang they were so close but her dad almost came in and that's what like knocked them out right that's what i'm talking about yeah Oh, but then they the, but then they switches to Aslan's point of view and then they argue about it. But she did make a joke previously about the fact that he came in like three seconds. <laughs> yeah. Oh, He's and then they tell him. each other that they love each other. And then he and then I said he fucks her with his hands. And I said, so I do it, like. So it's funny because I, I was so, like, it was dry humping, but it was more like wet humping <laughs> instead of dry humping. <laughs> yeah. So they they have this argument because, like you said, they it's hot and heated. Heavy and heated, whatever, hot and heavy. And they almost get to the point where they do it. And but they have a close call. And that kind of just puts a wet blanket on everything, especially for Aslan. He's like, I can't do this. I can't do this. We, we should just wait. Not that kind of wet blanket. <laughs> we should just wait. It's almost that time anyways. We should just wait. And they have this huge argument over it. And she kind of is like, I don't want to be seen as like a dirty little secret. Blah, blah. She just can't grasp his reality she can't grasp where he's coming from and all the different pieces of like yeah it is a big deal to him but he could lose his life he could lose the only parents he's ever known he could lose so many things he could everything is on the edge for him and she just can't grasp that so they have this huge argument and she just is feeling woe is me and is like i miss zara because zara was a fucking cunt face instead of just having your best friends back totally was like well you dumped my brother so fuck you bitch yeah which screw zara so she has this gaping hole in her life and she doesn't have her best friend to just talk to about all these things and so she goes to search for zara to try to rekindle that and talk to her again and this is where we get to a really rough part of the book a lot of it's been rough this was probably the roughest for me i think at this point i was i was getting annoyed with the amount of times he brought up his fear of deportation and death because i wrote his fears again of deportation i think because i mean it's real though it is real but i feel like obviously like he's emotionally fucked up and i think he was using it as an excuse a lot and i think that was the only thing he could grasp onto and hold on to as reason not to bang her and it was kind of like it was a very loose thread of holding on to it because yeah, obviously it was real yeah but and he she throws just out his morals it. pretty damn quick so He's also 21. I Yeah. So anyways, bear with me as I struggle through this part, but we're good. So she decides, yeah. Maybe she, just have a real quick version of it. It's it's fine. I'm not going to go into all the dirty details. Don't worry. So she, you know, she tells her parents, hey, I'm going to go hang out at Zara's house. Her parents still don't know that her and Zara aren't friends. No, they do. They do? I didn't think they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why she was like, I'm going to go try to. They don't know the extent of why they aren't friends, I guess, is probably. Yes, they do. I don't feel like they did. They, they had a whole really conversation non- about it in the kitchen before she left. Oh, well, then I'm just fucking stupid. So she decides. Because the be- mom was like worried about it. But the dad was like, no, those two are two uh, peas in a pod. Once they get over this, they'll be. I wonder if they didn't understand the amount of anger that Zara has. and the They didn't because I, I think don't. that's what it is. Nobody I- does because they were basically like. 
yeah, once you guys get over this, you'll be best friends again kind of thing. Yeah. They did not understand the amount of anger Zara had because nobody understands the amount of anger Zara had because Zara is a fucking bitch cake. Yeah, so they don't get back together as friends. Anyways, so she decides that she's going to go. Because Zara's a bitch cake. Yeah, she's going to decide she's going to go over to Zara's house because Zara is having a party. And, like, she's not invited to the party, but she's just going to kind of show up, try to have a conversation with Zara, try to, like, kind of clear the air. She really wants to be friends back with Zara because, again, like you said, like, she's missing this whole where her friendship used to be and she doesn't have someone realistically that she can, like, express all of her stuff to, you know, to kind of, like, because she's used to talking. She wants to talk to Zara about the shit going on with Aslan and wants, like, another opinion on it. So she finds, she goes in, she clocks a couple people. There's a dude sitting next to Zara. And, like, Zara is absolutely livid that she is there. And they get into a huge fucking argument. (laughs) And, again, I don't understand Zara's anger, too. I understand that she hurt her brother's feelings because she was pissed because he was planning on proposing to her. And, like, every time she'd go over, like, they were talking about the feelings and talking about bridesmaid stuff like all that like you know when you're together she wanted her to be her sister basically 14 months is pushing it but okay and they're young so like yeah but so zara was pissed blah blah so then she they've been best friends a lot longer than that relationship exactly nary's a little like upset so she starts so this dude this douchebag ethan comes up to her and he goes hey are you okay like he acted like he was concerned about her feelings and he goes i'll get you something to drink and she goes i don't want alcohol and so he gets her a coat and they're sitting are they sitting on the beach at this point or are they just like away from the, the kitchen the kitchen i they were somewhere and he was like giving her this drink i got a bad vibe before well, everything and happened. she didn't want it she kept saying like no thank you no thank you but he was just like and then she kind of was like okay fine to be polite and i had gotten a bad vibe from him the minute he popped up on screen to escort her i was like this isn't gonna go well it doesn't go well for the record what ended up happening is he had given her a drugged drink she doesn't drink the whole thing she just drinks some of it but she doesn't want any more and he's like really trying to push her to drink the entire thing but then she starts trying to leave and she starts stumbling and he decides to escort her to a bedroom and is like you can just sleep it off we know where this is going she's with not my cock and she ends up getting sexually assaulted she keeps saying no he does end up i believe he hits her oh several times yeah he hits her several times she ends up with huge bruises on ties her wrist her he he ties her up he does all the, it was it was because a, she's not completely she didn't finish the drink so she's not completely out of it so she's putting up a fight he keeps commenting on the fact he's like well if you had just drank the entire drink you could have just slept through this whole thing and not even known and you would have been fine and it just it was it was a rough scene it was pretty brutal and i am basically destro- destroys her soul at this point so i do want to say for this book and this type of setting um it didn't go into super graphic detail no and that was i think needed for this particular book and i feel like if she had gone full those kind of scenes in this book i think it would have been too much so i i do appreciate the level it was so yes this was it while it was rough and uh it wasn't like the story started to get a little like violenty but mm-hmm. she did warn that it it gets worse and worse and worse it got it got real dark real fast yeah 
I was like, holy fuck. And then we skip ahead to to Aslan's view. Because he's sitting at home. They just had an argument. He didn't even realize she left the house. Mm -hmm. He just wants to fix things with her. He didn't realize she fucking left the building. Yeah. So he can't find her. And he was like, kind of like asking the parents, like, what's in... They're like, she probably won't be home till tomorrow night. She's going to make things up with Zara. And he's like, he knows that her and Zara are like wicked on the outs. And he's like, yeah, what? And he's feeling so much because they had just had a huge argument. And that's not something that they really, he wants to fix this. So he kind of just goes for a drive because he has this feeling that he can't shake that something's wrong. So he goes to Zara's house and he sees that a party's going on and he's like are you fucking kidding me she's lying to her parents again what the fuck and he sees her stumbling out of the house and he just assumes she's drunk and it's a rough scene because he has to put the pieces together and she's basically like just take me take me to the boat I just need to be in the sea need to wash everything away and he kind of through her taking off her jacket, different things and seeing things and putting all these pieces together. He's kind of figured out what has happened and he's breaking. And then she turns to him and says, if I ask you to do something, would you do it for me? He was like, yeah, if I ask you to kill someone, will you kill someone for me? And I was just like, she just like her that took such a turn. And I, I get the reason it. reason is because of the events that just happened. It broke. I her. know. And but yes, it was dude, a big job. I, I was like, that what? she's dumb and 17, but come the fuck on asking him that, like him asking him that. And knowing, we, as we've previously said, she is where he can't say no. Like, even when it puts a detriment to his own self, he can't say no. Like, even when his soul is screaming at him, trying to get her out of the water because she's just pushing his buttons. He will do it for her. So knowing that this is going to be the end of him, he is like, yes. Mm -hmm. What do you need? Yes. So she explains who Ethan is. And he's like, bet. Let's go. And she stays on the boat. He goes to get Ethan. The party's being shut down by the cops. At this point, he is gung-ho. I'm getting Ethan. Mm -hmm. And he grabs him. Ethan's kind of stumbling to get away so he kind of hits him over the back of the head so now he's disoriented and he's kind of trying to stumble him out of there the cops kind of stop him on the way out he's like no no, no, it's my brother just bringing him home he's kind of drunk blah 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 they let him go thankfully rounds second chance with a cop again right thankfully he's like whoo and he takes him to the boat so that he can uh torture and try to murder him and he is like gung ho torturing him. He is like taking fingers off of him. He is like gutting him. He is like about to take his dick off. And Meredith's like, no, never mind. I changed my mind. <gasps> I was like, what the fuck? My like, only thought process uh, is like, she said it in anger 17. after it first happened. And she was also. Now she's the- seeing the. But it's not, I think it's also like maybe the drugs are wearing off at that point yeah. too and she's really getting clarity as to the situation mm-hmm. either way still a fucked up situation and of course mm-hmm. like i know aslan's like concerned because like she's seeing him doing all this terrible shit and he goes are you gonna think of me di-? like this is the man i am like yeah you sure you want to love me 
still. And they're at a kind of a point of no return. Like they've like cut fingers off this dude. They've like gutted him. He's like bleeding out and dying. Yeah. Like, and now she's like, oh, I changed my mind. Like, like, (laughs) yeah. So basically he's just like, well, the ocean decided me and my family's fate. The ocean can decide your fate. And he tosses him overboard. Oh, no. He roundhouse kicks him into the well, ocean. Okay. Yes. That yes. was my favorite. So sorry. Honestly. He gave him was... a parting gift with, by his foot. <laughs> <laughs> he pushes him. No, he roundhouse kicks that motherfucker. He, 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 his foot gives him a little bit of a parting gift. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I was trying to say it a little nicely. My bad. Yeah. And they're kind of okay with this. They are all like, okay. And But he's, like you said, he's worried that how she's going to feel about what that all brought out of him. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, I need you to wash him away from me. I need you. I need it to be you. I need you to make this night not him. I need you to replace him with my body kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I need you to know who I am first. And we get Aslan's backstory of prior to the boat. And we find out that this whole time that this family that he's been grieving, that is his family, don't get me wrong, but this family that he's been grieving was a family that he was basically given to as a baby. He was stolen as a baby from like the ultimate bad guy in Turkey. He's like the biggest crime lord Turkey has. And he is the heir. He's the only child of this bad guy. And he was stolen from his uncle. His uncle stole him because his uncle got wrapped up in that crime lord's circuit. And he was just trying to save these trafficked women that he saw there. And then he saw this baby and he was like trying to save the baby. And he had no idea it belonged to the guy. He just thought he was saving somebody. And he brought the baby to his brother, who at this point thought that him and his wife couldn't have children. And they took the baby to raise, no questions asked. And then the cousin was the the uncle's daughter was running her mouth because she overheard her uncle drunk or something one night. And that's how this whole thing started. So really, if he goes back there, he he's basically this like traded it lived with these people forever and yeah. would be grown and bred as this he is the only person who could stake claim to this syndicate and take it probably away from people and that's why he's a big target yeah before we learn all that about his family and everything it kind of gives a glimpse into what's going through her mind post everything that's happening because you know they are she's like i could lie and say i'm fine and then it starts giving like kind of a breakdown because during the actual scene, it didn't really give us many details, but this chapter in particular really breaks down what happened in the room with Ethan. And it's literally just re- going in her mind as to what's happening. And it's kind of showing the breakdown of her of like, she's kind of going into a deep spiral at this point. But she, you know, then she's like talking about how Aslan trusted me. He murdered for me. He broke bones for me. He like, and it's really just basically building up that Aslan's his soulmate. All the while, her brain is just replaying every single thing that happened with Ethan 
And she really has put it in her brain that Aslan can take that entire pain away from her. The whole story is based around her being this free spirited firecracker of a person. And then this specific thing, it shows the internal workings of her brain going on and how it literally breaks her down to be a silent person going forward. All right. So he tells her all about his past and she basically is like, this changes nothing, but it gives her that understanding of why she can't go to Turkey. And he makes her promise, like, never go there. And they dock on this um, low isles, little island. This It's kind of like a tourist spot, but it's like late at night and they go to this like covey area where they won't be seen. And she just wants to wash this whole whole thing away and let the sea her beautiful sea that she loves just take all this from her and to get to this little beach they have to swim from the boat to there she knows it's going to be difficult for him and he's just explained all this about him and she now has been through a tragedy herself and she can kind of start to comprehend a little bit of what that might be like for him and she's like, I can't ask you to do that. And he's just like, I just murdered for you. I will go in the ocean for you. So they swim to shore. It is hard for him, but he does it. And they have this whole moment about they're there in the water where the moon meets the sea and they're there on the way to the shore. And they basically that this has cemented them that this has cemented them together and that no matter, they they can't really get married, but no matter what happens, they are truly together. And they kind of have this little just marriage within themselves. And they, they kind of give themselves vows to each other, just basically explain the whole like thing about how the sea and the moon brought them together. This is where they're going to be married together. And this is where they're going to come together and thank goodness for the A and the Denis. I'm going to butcher that. And they said for the Luna and the Mare. And that has created this whole thing. So they go to the beach. They consummate their marriage. He takes basically control of her body back type of situation where he is in her mind taking one of the worst nights and creating one of the best nights for her in that moment. And they are happy and they think everything's going to be great from now on. And I think this is one of those chapters that ends with one of those, well, it should have been kind of thing, but it wasn't. And I was like, meh. <laughs> that whole situation, she basically, he kind of wants, he asks about like, he, she had like a specific fantasy about Washington does, but like he tried to make her promise not to shut her out. But yeah, no, the romance of the first time was really nice because they have the Aurora Australis going, which was really cool. Mm. But I liked the fact that the whole first time was in her perspective. Mm. Yes, which we talk about a lot that we bitch about a lot <laughs> but they get back and they think that it's all hunky dory for like the first week and then he starts to see the cracks they end up going scuba diving as well and he kind of uh he kind of freaks out a little bit because like it was a huge thing because he doesn't go under and he finally realizes mm-hmm. like why she's the in world that- underneath yeah yeah, the reason that she just loves being underneath because he's viewing it now through her lens, essentially. He does get a little concerned because he sees a shark and then he has learned that she has been taking the hooks out of the mouths of sharks this whole time. And he's like, yeah, but they're, you know, they could bite, you know, he's so concerned because they're so violent. And she goes, 
no they're not not if you like they're the reason they come here is because they know we are going to take those out so it was just this cute it was this really nice thing and then like she kind of admits that she kind of finds his violence a little bit sexy then he fucks her really hard on the boat like harder than he normally had she doesn't want him to hold back and he's worried that if he shows her that actual side of him that she is not going to love it jokes on him because she does she loves that yeah. she loves that kind of She's stuff got that. And then- but he's also wondering if part of it is just her coping yeah because as the weeks go by because she's only got what like a month left before school ends Mm -hmm. as the weeks go by he can start to see the cracks yeah in her facade because she's starting to be jumpy she's Mm -hmm. when her mother touches her her father touches her she and and it's not like expected Mm-hmm. she'll jump and yeah. she's having nightmares she's not eating as much she's just she's really struggling and she's not talking to him about it she's just using him for sex to try to feel better it had jumped to the present day where she's explaining how you know she always hints that worse stuff is going but she says the worst stuff that's coming is worse than the worst that has currently happened and this is when she starts explaining that all her nightmares started coming and they you know they started happening and that she couldn't stand being touched um which again like kind of it goes back to the contrast of how she was in the beginning of the book with how carefree she was and it's just it's such a consistent theme throughout the book but then it really goes to show how this one event really and truly like turned everything on its head and it really was a huge turning point in her life and development as a person and how it really just destroyed the soul she had and then so the there was a point that she had said to him that she was so concerned that he wouldn't want her because of what because happened. she's been tainted. And he just handled it so beautifully because he's like, no, that's, yeah. that's not how I but feel. But she also just couldn't. She that couldn't, was her kind of breaking point. When they it were really, arguing. really was. She could not get his words through her head. And no matter how much he tried to get through to her, she just could not. She was stuck in her own spiral. Spiral. Exactly. She was stuck in her own downfall. And she and basically he tried to cut her off. He's like, well, you keep using me for sex. And I don't think that's healthy as much as I want you. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's healthy. You need to be trying to it just keeps going downhill. You need to be trying to cope in other ways. Like even your parents are asking me if you're okay. Like it's not, you're not coping well. And it got to a point where she then thought his saying no to her was even worse, basically validating her thought of he doesn't want her and that she's not good for him anymore. Like she's been sullied. And then it also kind of compounds on the fact that he didn't want to talk to her parents. So she already has this thought process that he doesn't want her. But then the fact that he also won't tell her parents yet, it kind of keeps because they were, they had a date. They were waiting for that date and she won't let them know about the assault. She won't let him tell them about the assault. So it's all very nobody can tell anybody about anything, and they're it's all a powder having keg a hard waiting time. to explode. It's just like right. building and building and building 
to basically the explosion that ends this book. So it's Christmas. This is the day that everything's going to come to a revelation. He's going to propose to her. The, her parents are going to find out. They're going to come clean, um, not about the assault, but about them. But she's still not doing well. She's still in a spiral. She's still dark and not reachable. She tries kind of one last time to like get with him. And he's like, no, we only have hours left. Like, you got this. And she's like, kind of shuts him out, like, goodbye kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And she goes to take a bath and she doesn't come out for hours. And this she's part like, I'm breaks find my heart, my, by the way. I'm going to find my own way to get over this kind of thing. When she comes out, she's kind of glammed up. She's got lots of makeup, different things. And he can see the makeup covering the bruises on her wrists because she's recreated the bruises from the assault because he had when he was talking to her he was like it'd be easier sometimes if you could see the bruises or you could see the marks or you could see the wounds but your wounds are inside but they still need to be treated the same they still need to be allowed to be healed and she's like well, I wanted to create outside wounds I wanted to create outside marks so that I could try to Heal physically see them and help myself and, and heal that way. And he's breaking and he's got to a breaking point and he's like, you need to get over this. You need to overcome this in your mind. I'm, and he basically is pushing her buttons now and trying to recreate the scene in a way that gives her power and is like, I'm going to push you until you fight back and show that you can fight back. If he didn't drug you, you could have gotten away. You could have fought back. You could have this wouldn't have happened. Like you are strong. You are just fine. And they basically destroy her room doing this. And then Jack walks in on, I mean, it looks bad. I think they were about to bang, weren't they? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It looks bad because the room is destroyed. She's fighting him off because he's asking him her to. They felt like they had gotten to this good point. She she was crying in his arms and then they were gonna they had so much emotion and they were going to sleep together and that's what he walked in on this whole room destroyed the the bruises on them and him on top of her about to insert himself into her and her father walks in and he goes ballistic thinking he's just tried to rape her little girl it was rough that scene was rough but that's how the book ends well, kind of. She's like, he's not the one who raped me. He's not the one who raped me. And he goes, what? And the mom is like, excuse me? And Jack then, can't. Jack just sees red. Jack can't hear any of this. But. And then, but then Aslan is like, no, I did it. Yeah. Because Jack, you know, yells for them to call the cops, to have the cops come. come and then, of he, course. He's, like, re- he's resolute. And this is just what's going to happen. He knows he's lost them. And he doesn't want the progress that he's made with Narada and her progress to go down because now Jack's restraining her from him and he knows that that's going to be triggering to her. Yeah, but then of course he's saying like all this stuff about like how long have you been touching her, this, 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 and she goes, we were, I was trying to, uh, you know, I've been hiding it for months and then the fucking Jack just sees even more red because then he's like, well, how mm-hmm. long have you been grooming my daughter to, yep. to be this way? And then it's just, it was- If anyone was doing grooming, maybe it was Narada. Dude, fucking but- A. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was just, it was intense. And then of course, like the cops get called. And then so basically yep. the book just ends on, you know, fucking trying to Mary knocking her dad out with a lamp. With a lamp. 
and then and trying to get him um, to escape he's, to like, run. He was beaten by a beaten to a pulp by the dad. And she's trying to like limp him out because she'd rather him try to have a way to escape. And that's how the book ends. Yeah, it's crazy. To be continued. This was, it started not as heavy and it ended so heavy. It started sad, like just depressing, sad. And then it's, then it ended just like (gasps) suspenseful and yeah there was a roller coaster of emotions this whole book was a roller coaster of emotions it just it was a lot no i wasn't as dead inside and sad as you were in the beginning i didn't cry a single time i know who was your favorite character though honey because oh because she does come back at some point in the book oh yeah they talk again and they are really like trying to really setting a plan for the brother to correct yeah so i it was while she was spiraling yeah yeah and i so because she needed to talk to somebody so it was really nice and of course honey's like you know honey's like you can tell me anything like Mm -hmm. so i think that honey really is such a good i i'm assuming she's going to be i'm hoping she's more in the next book too as the plans for all this have happened and i just she was such a good friend for someone she just she's got her own hunk of man meat and she just (laughs) met her and she was just such a good person and such a good friend for someone who like saw that this girl was like in turmoil at the bar when she broke up with the dude so it was really nice to see so i like her a lot she's probably my favorite it was i think it's hard to pick a favorite honestly yeah that was a good one because our main characters were just so in the fields so angsty i enjoyed reading about anna the parents had the greatest relationship yeah and she just had this love of languages and Mm -hmm. constantly needing but i didn't like how kind of how do i want to put this i didn't like how kind of shut she had shutters on a lot when it came to them because Mm -hmm. like when aslan would be tired or um, even in the beginning, when he would be extra tired and or whatever, he would slip and call Neri Canaan, Canaan, which means like my life, my soul. And she knew what that meant. And she'd kind of give him a look, but just carry on. But like all this stuff happened under her nose and she kind of like would see them. I feel like she knew and she just kind of allowed it. I don't think that it happened under her nose. I think she knew. And I think... What it is, is she's she knows Neri and her, we'll call them gifts. And, like, she understood when she told her originally, like, this is what's going to happen. And I think she mm-hmm. kind of just saw the progression of it. And I think she did see how he was definitely restraining himself around her. And he really was trying. And I think she was just kind of seeing how it was all playing out. But I, I think maybe she gets the same feelings as Neri does about because she's not stupid so i think no i think that's why i I think she was just accepting it was unsure i think i don't think it was happening i think she knew i think she knew everything that was happening obviously not some to the extent of some of the other stuff she communicated with her daughter yeah exactly but i think i think she knew because she she would be my favorite if she communicated more with her daughter the dad didn't know but i but the mom knew i loved the dad i truly did I loved Jack. I also loved Aslan's dad. I know we only oh, got yeah. him on the boat, but he was just so sweet. And I just, I truly enjoyed him. Um, so I, I enjoyed the parents in this book, I would say. Doesn't happen a lot. No, that's why I think <laughs> I want to give extra 
Love to the parents. Extra. Because we don't always have a, a good parental stuff for a book. My least right. favorite was Zara because fuck Zara in a ditch. Zara Leave her there. Zara and then lot. obviously Ethan, but Zara, yeah. Zara was Ethan's dead, so he can stay die, but they don't say Zara. he's actually dead. What if he well, comes yeah, back? I guess, yeah. <laughs> what if he came back in the next book missing some fingers? Well, Zara was she a did say friend. they did ask, and she did say to her knowledge, now seventy know. something years old, she did not know. She yeah. said she's never heard of him being alive but yeah zara was a shitty friend and i understand like she's pissed about the sibling thing but at the same fucking time like if you're truly best friends with that person right it shouldn't matter That's different like no. zara was a shitty shitty friend and she was a shitty person and yeah she's my least favorite as well yeah i don't think it's fair for us to pull a rating for this no. one because it's an arc so it doesn't a it doesn't have an amazon rating and b the goodreads ratings are just trickling in but we can just give our own ratings what do you rate it you're gonna rate it pretty high i think what did you oh i already put it on goodreads i figured i haven't gone on a goodreads yet i finished it 10 minutes before i hopped on the call oh my gosh <laughs> so are you not in a good position to rate since it was 10 minutes before no i would say like a four 4.25 maybe i gave it a 4.5 not surprised. My problem that knocked it down to a 4.5 was A, like the teen romancy drama kind of, it was my problem. And I know that was my problem because like the 12 year old ickiness yeah. for me. And you're going to laugh, but I had a problem with the overuse of the word rutting. This book is so beautifully written. The just, it's just on like for on a writing standpoint alone, like the writing is really good. Mm -hmm. That to use the same word over and over and over again to describe one action just bothered me. It rubbed me the wrong way. And to constantly have this boy want to, to just describe himself as wanting to rut into someone else, just, I don't know. Mm -hmm. It knocked it down for me. I did highlight one thing that was funny too. That was just, it was when they were in the water and he goes, it wasn't you. I just had an image of a fish deep throating me by accident. And I laughed. <laughs> I highlighted two things. I highlighted just, I think I, I already said this part, but the when Margot was interviewing that, is it true that you pulled a lion from the sea and fell mm -hmm. in love with him? I just, I really liked that line. And then I wanted to tell her that when that love of a lifetime found her, she would know the deepest abyss of despair and the highest hills of joy. I had a couple other ones. Um, one was, oh, he definitely hurt me. He's the only one who has ever made me wish to die. And then the other one was, you're going to kill me. You saved my life only to make it a living hell. So it's just, it's interesting to see the amount of love that they have, but clearly there's so much despair throughout the whole book that while they had this deep love for each other and all this other stuff, like they hurt each other too so it's it's a yeah, combo of it was things. it's definitely an angsty hard love it's it was it was it was a good it was a, a, a an emotional turmoil of a read i can't in good conscience give this a cucumber rating no 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 <laughs> no i can't nope. i can't do it no i'm not gonna do that it with gives me teams. the icky feelings no no nope that's the only um, and that's we're gonna save that for our adult books okay like uh, maybe, but that's, but that's maybe in the second half of the duet, they will be fully adults and we will be happy in like in every sense of the word. And we can get over that. Speaking of part two is coming. Cora Mare. We will see you. Hopefully. Yep. So stay tuned for 
the second half of this duet. Yeah, this was tough. Yeah, yeah, it is. It was good, though. 